rejoicing and we are glad in it. What a wonderful privilege to be worshiping with you again this morning and we welcome you here today. I have a reading to start off this morning's worship called Lockdown and this was written by a Capuchin Franciscan brother by the name of Richard Hendrick and he resides in Ireland and this is what he wrote. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty spaces, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the homebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. There is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be the disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how you live now. Today, breathe. Listen, behind the factory noises of your panic, the birds are singing again. The sky is clearing, spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. Good morning. A reading from Exodus 3, verses 1 through 15. One day Moses was taking care of Jethro's flock. Jethro was a priest of Midian and also Moses' father-in-law. When Moses led the flock to the west side of the desert, he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames, a fire coming out of a bush. Moses saw the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. So he said, I will go closer to that strange thing. How can a bush continue burning without burning up? When the Lord saw Moses was coming to the bush, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Then God said, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses covered his face 
because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have, this, I have seen the troubles my people have suffered in Egypt, and I have heard their cries when the Egyptian slave masters hurt them. I am concerned about their pain, and I have come down to save them from the Egyptians. I will bring them out of the land and lead them to a good land with lots of room, a fertile land. It is the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezorites, the Havites, and the Jebusites. I have heard the cries of Israel, and I have seen the way the Egyptians have made the life hard for them. So now I am sending you to the king of Egypt. Go, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, I am not a great man. How can I go to the king and lead the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. This will be the proof that I am sending you. After you lead the people out of Egypt, all of you will worship me on this mountain. Moses said to God, When I go to the Israelites, I will say to them, The God of your fathers sent me to you. What if my people say, What is his name? What shall I tell them? Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am sent you to I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, This is what you should tell the people. The Lord is the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He sent me to you. That will always be my name, by which people from now on will know me. This is the word of God. Hi, everyone. I miss you. Miss all you kids and miss teaching you in Sunday school. See you soon. Be safe and take care. Love you. Thank you so much, Anne, for reading our Old Testament scripture this morning from Exodus. Out of all of the passages I could have chosen and all of the people in the Bible that I could have picked, the one person that kept standing out to me this whole week when we were thinking about having a No Fear Sunday was Moses. Not because he wasn't afraid, but because he was when God appeared to Moses with the burning bush. I just think that story is amazing. There's moments where I almost feel sorry for Moses. He had a really nice blueprint for his life. He was content with being a shepherd. He'd already gone through so much adversity and things had kind of settled down for him. He had kind of the future mapped out. And then voila, God shows up. And not in a small way, not in an ordinary way, through this burning bush. And lo and behold, when Moses woke up that morning, he thought he was going to have just an ordinary day. And then God turned his day upside down. It made me think of some weeks ago now, when I woke up on a Friday morning and I came to church and I led a Bible study that had been planned for weeks. And then I went into chapel and had Chapel Friday, which we'd been doing for years. And then when I walked out of chapel, the world seemed to change. The virus had spread, and all of a sudden, there was a great response. And for the next nine hours after that chapel service, the staff got together and tried to make sense of what it means and how could we close our doors? When 
That question has never once been asked of any of us. And so, in some ways, I came out of chapel in my ordinary day, and it was a good day, and all of a sudden, there was this burning bush. And it looked like everything was on fire, perhaps like Moses. I wasn't realizing then or that day that it was God speaking through that burning bush. It's a great part in the scriptures about Moses. It says he sets off to investigate the bush, and it's only when he gets close enough to it that he hears the voice of God. And the voice of God isn't coming from above him, from the sky, or a rainbow, or some majestic scene. The voice of God is coming from within the fire. And then he realizes, it says, that he is standing on holy ground. Holy ground meaning God was present to him in that space. And perhaps what we're doing this morning and what we've done now this third Sunday morning is we need to be in worship. We want you to be in the sanctuary to see ourselves as your pastors, to hear Sandy playing because there is something about this space where we would normally be that gives us comfort. We also don't know when we enter this space what will happen to us here, what message God will give us. Just like Moses, he is thrown off for his day only to be giving, given an entirely new blueprint for his life. And by the way, he wasn't given it in actuality. All he was told to do was to follow God and to go to the one place no one would ever dare to go in their right mind, which was to Pharaoh. It's so interesting, too, this conversation that God has with them. God's like, I've chosen you, Moses. And what's Moses' first reaction? No, you probably don't want me. I don't have those gifts. And then God comes back and says, oh yeah, it's you, Moses. I've chosen you. And then when Moses has run out of something else, or perhaps another excuse, he's like, well, what's it going to look like when I show up to Pharaoh and they say, who sent me? What name am I going to give you? And it's so wonderful, a response that God says, I am who I am. And so it would have been nice for God to be more specific. Instead, God gives Moses this generation to generation, this, this family from which he has come, from which we really all have come. When we look back at the Old Testament, the people of God. And so God gives Moses a litany of how he's been present all along. And just as he has been present in the past with those who've led his people, he'll now be present with Moses as he now leads his people through this next part of the journey. It's really quite incredible, all of it, really. And what stood out to me some years ago in seminary about this story, as I had never heard it preached in the way that I'd heard it that day from a dear friend and mentor, Mark McDonough. And he had the scripture, it came up in the lectionary, and it was the first time I'd ever heard it interpreted in this way. He said it wasn't that 
when Moses decided to follow God that all his fear left him. Moses still had fear, but he went anyway. He most likely was scared. I can't imagine the first few steps, maybe even the first initial step that he took coming out of that conversation. The first big step to actually leave the life he had so laid out and planned to actually change it completely to follow where God's voice was calling. And then imagine every step that brought him closer to Pharaoh. Every step and the closer he got, his blood pressure must have been through the roof. He must have wondered what he was doing. He had to trust it all to God, all of it. Not just some of it, but all of it. And yet he went, and we know the story, we know that through Moses saying yes to God's call, lives were changed. The people were taken out of bondage and slavery into freedom. And another sermon would pick up those times in the wilderness that we experienced before the promised land. So I propose to you today that perhaps Christians are feeling a little bit like Moses standing in front of the burning bush and God's calling us to continue to be faithful, to continue to take one step at a time in God's direction, to follow where he leads, to invite people to join in the journey, to invite people not to get caught up in the fire, not to get so caught up in this virus that we start another pandemic, a pandemic of fear and anxiety. For we must take all the precautions we are given to ensure health. We must take all the precautions of social isolation. But we also need to make sure that we gather close to God. That the ground that we step on is holy ground. And that we trust that God will see us to it and through it. And that one day it will be done. And God will have counted us as faithful. For remember who God said he was to Moses. God said, I am who I am, and that this is my name forever and ever. In the changing climate of each day that we live, we know that we have a God whose name does not change, who is with us today and forever and forever. May you find peace in Moses' story today. And may you find comfort, and may you find challenge as well. Sometimes to follow takes all we've got. And so now as we think about our invitation to the offering today, I invite you to give your whole selves to God. I invite you to follow God, just as we did before this virus hit, and just as surely as we will when it is done. Let us follow God through this time in our history. Let us follow faithfully. So I invite you during this time of offering, as you think about what you can give during this time, what you can give of your financial resources, what you can give of your time, how you can spend that time that you have, perhaps blessing another with whatever talent or God-giving gift that you've been given. Perhaps let us think about putting 
all that we can forward. And perhaps every day, what we can give might be different than the day before. But we trust that God has called us to be generous, generous with who we are, because we have such a generous God. And so as we pray for wisdom in all things, we also pray that you too would find this invitation to follow, that it would give you a sense of purpose in the midst of uncertainty. So how are we going to pass around plates when we're on video? Well, we're gonna do it virtually. Last Sunday, we actually had you come with communion. Today, I'd like you to think about your offering this way. If you normally give through our PushPay app, you can do that. Instead of putting an envelope in a plate, you could perhaps put an envelope in another envelope and mail it to the office. Perhaps you go through your own bank, or even so, perhaps you'd like to come after worship to our parking lot and from noon to one, some of the staff will be there, including Kate and I, and we're gonna have something called a drive-through blessing. And if you'd like to bring it then, that's another opportunity. We hope too that when you come and drive through, that the blessing of the service will continue and we'll have a chance to see you in person, however far, whether it be six feet or more, so that we can welcome you to these grounds into this place today. So I encourage you now to get your offering ready as we now hear Sandy play our beautiful offertory today.
our prayer of the day and our prayer of dedication. God of all good gifts, in response to your call upon each one of our lives to love and serve you through loving and serving others, we come to you now with the gifts of our time, our abilities, and our financial resources. We come especially to you in this moment of prayer. It was only weeks ago in this very sanctuary, Lord, when our words over our offering plates were ones of giving out of abundance. We had more of a feeling of security as opposed to this Sunday, when COVID-19 continues to threaten not only our health, but our livelihood, and in turn, our finances. We come to you this morning, and like Moses, we pray that the ground beneath us would not be shaken, but that we all come to you in prayer on holy ground. Grant us wisdom to make wise decisions with our giving, to give what we can, when we can, so the ministry of this congregation can continue. May these offerings this morning bring the greatest blessing to all those who need it most. For Jesus, you are our Lord and our faithful friend. You are our ever-present help. You alone can turn the shadows into light. In you we find our strength renewed this day. May our lives be an offering to you. May our prayers, our time, our thoughts, our energies, our abilities we can share with another, may they all build up your church, spread your words, Lord Jesus, of faith and hope and love. And may our actions and our words and our lives reflect that faith, hope, and love that you give that we, in turn, would reflect your light into this and any dark day. For today, despite the virus, despite our insecurities, and even despite our fears, we know that you are bigger than them all. For you are our rock, our sure foundation, we proclaim the truth that fear will not rule this day, but that the promise that you are always with us will. For to you, Lord Jesus, we put all our trust, trusting you to lead us through this day and all days. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. It's titled, Jesus Calms the Storm. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. 
Then the wind died down and it was suddenly calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jason, for doing our reading for us this morning. When I was a kid, my family owned a speedboat. It was this 19-foot speedboat. For a time, we kept it out on Lake St. Clair. And one day, it was a beautiful day. We went out there. It was me and my mom, my dad, my brother, and my step-grandma. And we're enjoying the lovely weather out on the lake. And we pull into a cove and spend a few hours there. We anchor and we have lunch and we swim around and just, again, just enjoying the wonderful day and, and uh, each other's company. But when we decided to leave, the interesting thing was when we pulled out onto the lake, the main lake itself was a whole different story than where we were in this sheltered cove. Even though nothing had changed, the skies hadn't changed, no clouds came up, there was nothing different in the weather. Something had happened to cause the lake to be very, very different. And it was scary. It was scary being out there in our small boat on this giant lake with the waves kind of crashing over the bow a little bit. And, and my brother was actually driving, and he was only a teenager at the time, but my dad was right over his shoulder kind of helping him navigate these waves, and I just remember being absolutely terrified out there on the water. And eventually we could finally see the harbor off in the distance, and the harbor had these big giant rocks on either side of the entrance, and it just seemed like we were never going to get there. It seemed like the closer we got, we kept getting farther away, because the waves kept pushing us in the wrong direction, and I really thought we were not going to make it. One day, in the midst of that, just enjoying this beautiful day in the cove, coming out into the sea, it was just a whole different scenario. Kind of like what our disciples experienced in the scripture reading we read this morning, that all was fine when they shoved away from the shore, but before you know it, the winds came and the storm raged. I looked up some interesting facts about Lake St. Clair, as opposed to the Sea of Galilee. Lake St. Clair is actually 460 square miles. So it's a pretty big lake, as opposed to the Sea of Galilee, which is only 64 square miles. But the interesting thing about the geography around the Sea of Galilee is the way that the hills are around the sea itself, weather comes up really quick and it makes the Sea of Galilee a terrible place to be. Now granted, Lake St. Clair was definitely not a place for a 19-foot speedboat. My family never took our boat back to Lake St. Clair again after we finally made our way into Safe Harbor. We were just holding our breath for the next wave that was gonna come. Kind of feels like today, doesn't it? We're just holding our breath for the next thing that's gonna come our way. And in our story, we read how the disciples are just all in a panic and they are terrified, yet Jesus is sound asleep in the stern. Now the stern is the back of the boat, and in the back of the boat, things tend to be a little bit more calm than they happen to be in the front. Yet he, there he was, sound asleep, and finally his disciples woke him up, said, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? 
course, he got up and he yelled at the wind and yelled at the waves and it all became calm and all was well. And Jesus says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The thing that really strikes me about this story is that really Jesus was in no less peril than the disciples were. He was right there in the boat with them. Yet he still found peace and comfort, and we know that he found his peace and comfort in God, and that he had a strong faith. And of course, it's easy for us to say, well, he's the Son of God, of course he's got a strong faith. Yet he was also human, and he was also someone that was no less prone to terror and to being scared and to death than we are, hence Good Friday. But let me remind you, my friends, that as the waves are crashing in on us right now, Jesus is in the boat with us. He is in the boat of our fears. He is in the boat with us in the midst of our anxieties. He is in the boat with us in the, in the midst of the trouble that we are experiencing, the fear that we have over our finances, the fear that we have over our health, the fear we have over our families. He is in the boat of our fear with us. And Jesus is still in the business of calming storms. And he is going to calm this storm as well. But in the meantime, he is with us. And he is taking this journey right along beside us. Jesus is in the boat with us. So my friends, be not afraid. The literal safe harbor of this pandemic is still a little ways away, yet I hope you find that you are in the safe harbor of the arms of Jesus, who is in the boat with us. So my friends, remember, be not afraid. Jesus is in the boat with you.
sisters, friends, for to you this blessing comes from Scripture, from the prophet Isaiah. We remember the prophet's words, God's words to us this day. For fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. May we rest in the promise that we are in the loving embrace of Christ this day. May you be blessed, and may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of this congregation, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day. Amen. Jesus said. 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 Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Be not. For I am with you. 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 Always. 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 For I am always with you. Always. And Jesus said, Fear not, for I am with you always. Amen. Jesus said, Fear not, for I am with you always. Right, Scout?